just never know. <laughs> All right, you guys ready for the word today? Thank you, Lord. <laughs> you can stay up here and help me. All right. I know. <laughs> okay, let's pray. Father, we thank you. We love you, Lord. How, how great you are. How faithful you are. All of our life, you have been faithful. Even when we couldn't see you. Lord, you were doing things behind the scenes. You were setting things right. Your angels were dispatched to guide us and to open doors and to, to nudge us in, in a different way. Lord, you're always with us. You said you'd never leave us or forsake us. And so, Lord, we hold fast to that promise. And we thank you, Lord, for your presence here today. And Holy Spirit, do what you do. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. Amen. All right, well, we're in our second week of this series on Elisha, a tale of ridiculous faith. And uh, uh, last week, we, we kind of were introduced to him, and we talked about killing cows and burning plows. Um, you know, Elisha, uh, when, when, when Elisha came and threw his mantle over his shoulders, which was a saying, come be my, be my protege or my student, my disciple, he said, let me just kiss my mom and dad goodbye. Then he took his plow, and he, sla he slaughtered his cows, and he burned his plow equipment to, to, to cook the cows for, or the, the oxen for his family and, and relatives and, and friends and coworkers, and he left it all behind. He burned that bridge behind him. And we talked about whatever stands in our way of, of following God, that's something that we're holding on to just to fall back on. Maybe that's the thing he's saying, go ahead and get rid of that. I'm looking for ridiculous faith, faith that doesn't make sense to the world. Maybe faith that, that's, that goes against common sense. Not, not that common sense is bad, but sometimes God calls you to something higher than that, and that's obedience, obedience to him. And so we talked about that, that last week. Today we're going to talk about digging ditches. Sounds exciting, doesn't it? How many have ever dug a ditch? <laughs> Um, well, let's just jump right into it. Um, the, the story we're going to look at today, um, we're going to look at these three kings. Three kings, not we three kings from the nativity thing, but um, three kings, they joined forces to go out to battle. And they were thinking, it's three against one. You know, three kingdoms against one. And they thought that would be easy, going against the Moabites. They thought this would be a very decisive victory. You know, it just looks, it looks easy on paper. You know, it seems to make sense. And, and here's what the kind of the background of that. Jerome, who was the son of Ahab, he's now the king in his father's place. And when Ahab was king, the Moabites would bring tribute. That means they would like their taxes. They would bring, it was so many um, sheep and, and, and sheepskins and all that stuff. They would bring this every year. 100,000, I think it was, 100,000 sheepskins every year. That was their price to live in peace with Israel. And then, uh, <laughs> and then when, when Ahab died and his son comes to the throne, they're like, oh, let's forget that. And so they, they, they totally disrespect Ahab's son, and he didn't take kindly to that. And so he, he sent off, sent to the, the king of Judah, um, Jehoshaphat, and, um, 
and and the king of Edom, like, hey, guys, help me t- teach these guys, these Moabites a lesson. They haven't been paying their taxes. They haven't been paying what they're supposed to. We're going to show them what happens to people who don't pay their taxes. And so it seemed like an easy thing. But sometimes life doesn't go like we plan it. You know, everything looks great. We got it all figured out. And then the bottom drops out or things we didn't factor something in or we, we didn't we, did, we missed something and then whoops <laughs> we're and we find ourselves in in trouble and it's not looking good and so instead of easily winning um you know against these uh, this one kingdom of moab they find themselves out stuck in the desert and they're about to die of thirst, and they're an, they got animals with them too, you know, pulling wagons and their weapons and all that stuff, and they're about to die of thirst. And they're like, uh-oh, this isn't what we planned. Maybe God brought us out here to kill us. Because remember, all three of these kings um, were not really following in the ways of the Lord at this point in their life. They were all kind of in rebellion, doing their own things. And so here's, I'm going to give you some four principles this morning. Principle number one, and these apply to all of us, great authority and power are backed by great faith and obedience. Great authority and power are backed by great faith and obedience. If you want to experience the great power and authority of God in your life, through your life, it's got to be backed up by great faith and obedience. Let's pick up the story in 2 Kings chapter 3, verse 9. So the king of Israel went with the king of Judah and the king of Edom, and they marched on that roundabout route seven days, and there was no water for the army nor for the animals that followed them. And the king of Israel said, Alas! <laughs> For the Lord has called these three kings together to deliver them into the hands of Moab. That's a real faith attitude. (laughs) We're going to die. And verse 11, but Jehoshaphat said, Is there no prophet of the Lord here that we may inquire of the Lord by him? So one of the servants to the king of Israel answered and said, Elisha, the son of Saphat, is here, who poured water on the hands of Elijah. And Jehoshaphat said, the word of the Lord is with him. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat and the king of Edom went down to him. Now, if you miss, you know, last week, again, we, uh, Elijah mentored Elisha and, um, in, the, in the ridiculous faith, you know, what, what everyone else would consider ridiculous. You know, no turning back, no plan B. And so King Jehoshaphat, who once... He was walking with the Lord and close with the Lord. You know, he says, there's no prophet. You know, that's how the word of the Lord came back in the Old Testament. And uh, thinking God's lured us out here to kill us. And Elisha was recommended by the servant. Here's what, here's what just stood out to me. Elisha is referred to the one which poured water on the hands of Elijah. So that's his credentials. His credentials were he had been a faithful, obedient servant to his master. What a great thing to be known for that. To be known to have a servant's heart and to be faithful and to stick it out. And, um, you know, he wanted a double portion of Elijah. 
Elisha wanted a double portion. And um, Elijah's word to him was, if you stick it out and you, you're here when I am taken up into heaven, then you'll get a double portion. Sometimes we got to stick it out. Not sometimes, we got to stick it out. What God's called us to do, we got to see it through. And sometimes it's not easy to see it through. Sometimes we want to bolt and run and say, this isn't going anywhere, this ain't happening. See it through. See it through to the end. And, and pour water. You know, if you want to be great in God's kingdom, get yourself a basin and learn to pour water on someone else's hands and, and, be, and minister to them. We prepare to lead by following. You know, it, it's, it's impossible to be a great leader if you haven't learned to be a servant. You know, I, I'm not going to toot my horn here, but before I ever played the first note on a guitar on a stage, I set up 500 chairs a week, took them down, set them up. I can fling some tables and chairs. Let me tell you, it's just like second nature to me. And before they let me do that, when they let me on the stage, they didn't let me play. They let, made me run the overhead projector. Remember those things? Anyone remember overhead projectors with the transparencies and stuff? And so I flipped those. <laughs> you know? And then they let me play guitar while I was running the overhead projector. That was something. You know? <laughs> you know? And then I got to lead worship in a, in a home group. And then with the high, the high school group. And then... It, was, it wasn't just something they said, here, take this whole church. You know, it's, it's incremental. And you learn to serve. You learn to be faithful in small things. And then God entrusts you with great things. To prepare to lead, you, you do it by following. All right. Um, and, and so uh, they're thinking, you know, back in the day when Elijah was, was the a prophet when he was alive he said it wouldn't rain for three years or until he said it was going to rain and it didn't rain for three years and then when he said it was going to rain it rained a deluge you know so they're thinking well elisha poured water on his hands maybe elisha's got some of that too and so they go to see him they're out of water you know maybe they heard about Eli what elisha was doing his rookie year as a prophet, um, you know, he divides the Jordan River. <laughs> he hit it with his mantle, you know, the Elijah left him, and it splits. Another time, he came to a, a, a spring of water, and it was poison. You drink it, you die. And he spoke to it, and it became sweet. Not just safe to drink, but sweet. Another time, a gang of teenagers... Um, were making fun of him. You know, he was coming through their area, and, and evidently, um, Elisha was follically challenged. Uh, he, he, he didn't have a lot of hair. And, and so these, these youth, uh, they were going, hey, Baldy, hey, Baldy, go on up, old Baldy, get on out of here, Baldy, get out of our way, Baldy. And Elijah cursed them in the name of the Lord. And two bears came out of the woods and the bears mauled and killed 42 teenagers. <laughs> you know, read your Bible. Read your Bible. You should never make fun of a bald guy. All right? 
That's, it's right there, black and white. Don't make fun of a bald person. You know, you may never know how much faith he has or how near a bear might be, okay? So just, just a public service announcement there. So they're like, Elisha, could you help us out? And I don't know if Elisha was having a bad day, but he was not favorably disposed to these three kings showing up without calling or texting or, you know, they show up at his door. And um, so he's like, okay, I get it. You, you, you want to ignore God, and now you're in trouble, and you want God to bail you out. I, I see what's going on here. Uh, for 2 Kings 3.13, Then Elisha said to the king of Israel, What have I to do with you? <laughs> this is the king, by the way. Okay, go to the prophets of your father and the prophets of your mother. <laughs> he caught his, called out his mother. <laughs> well, his mother was Ahab and uh, was Jezebel and stuff, and, and their prophets were Baal, the prophets of Baal. And so there, there's an attitude there. <laughs> um, why are you bothering me? Why don't you go to those prophets that your mom and dad uh, listen to? Um, let's keep reading, uh, second Kings three 13. We'll pick back up 13. Then Elisha said to the King of Israel, what have I to do with you? Go to the prophets of your father and to the prophets of your mother. But the King of Israel said to him, no, for the Lord has called these three Kings together to deliver them into the hand of Moab. And Elisha said, as the Lord of hosts lives before whom I stand, surely were it not that I regard the presence of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, I would not look at you nor, nor see you. <laughs> He's got some tood going there, doesn't he? <laughs> this is, remember, this is a king. He's saying this too. Um, in other words, you guys aren't serving God, but I am. I stand before him. As surely as the Almighty lives whom I serve, I wouldn't have any respect for you except for Jehoshaphat there because at one time he did fear the Lord. And so if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't give you the time of day. That wouldn't go over pretty good if you're a minister today. <laughs> you know, um, they might pull your card or something, but, but I, because Jehoshaphat's here with you, I'll listen to you. You need a prophet, I'm your guy. Which leads me to principle number two. Principle number two is we are to fear God and not man. We're not to be a man pleaser. You know, it, it's really to get enamored with somebody who's got a high office or something like that. Oh, yes, sir. <laughs> what can I do for you, sir? <laughs> you know, but he wasn't. He, he saw the truth that this, this guy, his father was called the most wicked king in the history of Israel. And most of his wickedness was that he was passive and let his wife run the show. And she was really wicked. Um, but that's how God described his dad. And Jerome was not much better. In 2 Kings 3.15, Elisha says, now bring me a musician. You know, or a harpist. Okay, boys, if you want me to prophesy, I need some atmospheric music. <laughs> And, you know, you might think that's really demanding, but really that, that's, that was not an uncommon practice. There's something happens in the atmosphere of praise and worship and, and, and when the music is playing and, and um, faith 
begins to be ignited and, and, and something's happening in the spirit. So the musician comes and he plays his harp and the three kings are there thinking, okay, now he's going to prophesy. He's going to give us a good encouraging word. Rain's coming. And he's going to tell God to send the rain, just like Elijah did. This is going to be good. Does he give them a word of encouragement? No. He gives them a word that's a ridiculous command. A ridiculous command. Remember, sometimes God wants you to do something ridiculous. 2 Kings 3.15, here it goes. Now bring me a musician. And when it happened, the musician played, and the hand of the Lord came upon him. And he said, thus says the Lord, make this valley full of ditches. Make this valley full of ditches. Huh? Wait, what? What? <laughs> Elisha, I thought you were going to tell God to make it rain. We need water. You're telling our troops that are about to die of thirst to go out in the hot desert sun and start digging holes what's up with that yep boys i want i want you to dig some ditches get out your shovels there's no sign of rain it's a drought in the deserts and it's there in the desert too yep dig some ditches keep reading verse 17 for thus says the lord you shall not see wind nor shall you see rain okay Underline that in your Bible. If you've got a Crayola, a eyebrow pencil, a lipstick, or whatever, you know, mark that. Put a little star by it. Um, you shall not see wind, nor shall you see rain. Yet the valley shall be filled with water, so that you, your cattle, and your animals may drink. And 18 is furthermore. And this, and this is a simple matter in the sight of the Lord. He will also bring the Moabites into your hand. In other words, you have no powerful, you have no idea how powerful, how strong, how mighty our God is. This is an easy thing for him to do. I thought you were going to ask for something hard. I'm going to, I'm going to do something easy. And I'm not even going to do it the way you think I'm going to do it. I'm not going to use rain. But if you dig the ditches, I'll fill them. I'll fill them. But first, you got to dig the ditches. You know, we would sit and think, well, let me see if it's going to rain, then I'll get out the shovel. No, dig, dig the ditches first. Are you seeing a principle here that you can apply to your own life? Taking a step of faith, doing something that doesn't make sense, but you're making room for the provision and blessing of the Lord. And it's not a hard thing for God. I subtitled this message today, Faith Works. Faith Works. Now I know there's this faith versus works. I'm doing kind of a play on words here. Everyone say faith works. Faith works. What I mean by that is faith is effective because it's active. Faith that works is faith that does something that bust a move. <laughs> Faith that so believes God is going to act that we take a step toward Him before we see the, the breakthrough, before we see the miracle. Which leads me to principle number three. Everybody still breathing? Okay. Principle number three, only God can send the water, but sometimes He wants you to dig a ditch. Faith works. 
See, James 2.26 says, for, for as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. You know, do you really think the God of the universe who made the oceans, <laughs> who sent the flood, you know, in Noah's time, needed them to dig ditches? He could just make us, he made water come out of a rock in the wilderness, you know, that wasn't near any body of water. He made water come out of a rock more than once. Do you think he needed them to dig ditches? No, he didn't. But instead he was saying, you show me faith and I'll show you, you'll see my faithfulness. You show me faith, take a step, even if it's a little step. I'll show you my faithfulness. You know, when the, he wants to see faith. You know, when, when Jesus was, was speaking in a house, and the house was packed, and there's these four guys, and they had this friend of theirs that was paralyzed. Maybe he fell off a roof or something. You know, who, we don't know. But they're trying to get to Jesus, and they can't because of the crowd. So they go up on the roof. They they pull back the thatch. They make a hole. I think it's Peter's house, too, so I'm sure Peter wasn't real happy about that. But they made a hole in the roof. They lower this guy down and put him right at Jesus' feet. And the Bible says Jesus saw their faith. How do you see faith? How do you see it? Well, you see it. You see it. You, I, well, Jesus could. But what I'm saying, he saw their faith by what they did. Their actions, their actions communicated faith. That's how you see faith. You see it when you put it into motion. You know, if it's just in my mind, well, prove it. <laughs> how do you know you got faith? You, to, in order to see it, you, it has to become active. You show him your faith, he'll show you his faithfulness. In the New Testament, there's also a, there was a guy who had a withered hand, a messed up, crippled hand that was just gnarled and stuff. And, and Jesus healed him, but what did he say? He said, stretch out your hand. Well, if I could do that, I would, if I could do that, I wouldn't need a miracle. I wouldn't need a healing. No, Jesus asked him to do something he could not do. But he, he it was just a small thing, just move your hand. And as he stretched out his hand, his hand was healed. When another guy who was lame for many, many years was brought to Jesus, Jesus healed him and said, take up your bed and walk. Jesus said, I'm not going to pick you up. <laughs> As he picked up his bed, he, he was able to walk. You know, when, when the lepers came to Jesus, 10 lepers came to him. I hope you're seeing a pattern here. And they said, Lord, will you cleanse us? Will you heal us? And he says, go show yourself to the high priest. Wait, you didn't do like, you didn't put any oil on our head, you know, a little cross sign. You didn't uh, lay hands on us. He said, just go show yourself the priest. But as they turned and went, as they were going, they put one, I don't know how many steps they took, but it, we know it, it was at least one. But it, I'm, it was more than that. And they're going. They looked down and went, hey, <laughs> my finger's back. <laughs> you know, he's, they were, the leprosy left them. You know, the Bible says one of them ran back 
and thank Jesus. And Jesus said, weren't 10 of you healed, but only one? You know, and that, by the way, that son, your sins are forgiven. He got more than just cleansed, you know, because Jesus has the authority to forgive sins. So you want your miracle? You got to make room for it. You got to dig a ditch sometimes. What if God wants to give you something and you don't have a place to put it? You haven't made room for it. You know, you're praying for a harvest, but you haven't cleared out the barn. There's, we, we, we have to make room. We have to dig ditches. You know, well, I'm going to skip that. I'm going to move on from that. I was going to say something else. Sometimes you got to dig a ditch. <laughs> um, well, I'll go ahead and say it. I'm not, I don't want to put anybody on spot or anything. I'm going to just say sometimes giving sacrificially, sometimes giving sacrificially, even out of your needs, sometimes, that, is, that is showing your faith. It's just, God, I trust you. I trust you. You're my source, not what I got in my wallet or in my bank account. You're my source. I'm going to trust you. Amen. And that's... That's showing faith. And, and we never graduate from that. So, which leads me to principle number four in the finally. Real faith believes big, but is willing to start small. Real faith believes, uh, real faith believes big, but is willing to start small. Most of us, and I'll include myself in this, we're not thinking big enough. We serve a God who can do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. But, but we don't ask big. We don't believe big. Let me just tell you, you know, just today, flip the switch. It's time to ask big. It's time to believe big. You know, many years ago, I was in the shower and I wasn't feeling particularly spiritual. Most people, you know, they're getting in the shower to try to wake up. <laughs> And the Holy Spirit, sometimes he speaks when we're not even listening out for him. But he spoke to me and he said, Jeff, all my dreams for my children are big or great. And that would stand to reason. He's a great big God. Why would a great big God have puny, insignificant, humdrum, everyday average dreams for his kids? He made you. I'm talking to everybody here today. He made you. He fashioned you not to be a loser, not to be just average. He formed you and fashioned you to accomplish his great purpose. It's going to be a sad day. I'm telling you, you you think heaven is so full of joy, but I've said this before, it's going to be a sad day when we get there and we see this trunk load of stuff. That if we'd only taken steps of faith, if we only said, God, here I am, send me. Or, or, you know, but we held back. We played it safe. We tried to just be average, just try to blend in. God made you and he saved you for his eternal significant purpose. And his dream for you is significant. It's not, it's not boring. All of his dreams for his children in keeping with his nature are great. 
Zechariah 4.10 says, Do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. Because as great as what God has for you, most of the time, you got to start small. Like I said, I started off setting up metal chairs and, and flipping overhead projectors. Sometimes you have to start small. There may be some who have got a great big vision, but you're, where are you going to start? you got to start where you are. Start where you are. I want you to say this with me. I will start where I am. I will start where I am. Even small. Even it seems small. It doesn't seem like a big deal at all. You show God your faithfulness, your, your faith, and he's, his faithfulness will be evident in your life. Elisha started small. Just Elijah's servant. And uh, here, Elisha, your hands are a little chapped and cracked. Here, let me get some water. How's that? That feel better? Okay. Okay. Elijah says, I'm going to bed now. Okay, here, let me take your mantle. Let me brush off, you know, all the sand spurs and different things that got caught in it, you know, and hang it up. He didn't realize he was hanging up his own mantle. Small things. And God did more miracles through Elisha than anyone else in the Bible except Jesus. So let's see what happened with, with the army. We're at 2 Kings 3.20. Now it happened in the morning when the grain offering was offered that suddenly water came by the way of Edom and the land was filled with water. No rain. <laughs> no wind to blow water out of the lake, a hurricane or something. Water just came from Edom. Think of that. So they obeyed Elisha. They dug the ditches. But then, look at this, they worshipped. They worshipped. When the grain offering was offered. Now let me tell you something about a grain offering. There's a lot of offerings in the Bible. There's, you know, sin offerings, fellowship offering, different kinds of offerings, you know. When you, you sin, you brought a lamb or a turtle dove. Or, you know, there's just different offerings, all kinds of offerings. The grain offering or you bring some barley or wheat, whatever was in season, you bring it, it was a free will offering, it was never required or demanded by God, but this is what it means. To bring an offering, a grain offering, is to acknowledge His provision. To worship God by bringing that grain offering, you're acknowledging His provision before you see His provision. The water came after they worshiped after the grain offering. One of the greatest exercises of faith and spiritual warfare you'll ever participate in is worship. What we're doing on Sunday mornings when we get up here to sing, and, and we're not just, it's not like the opening act, <laughs> you know, or just killing time because it's just a tradition. No, what we're doing, we're offering an offering to Him of worship. And I know. Some of you come in here and you don't feel like it. Maybe you got in a fight on the way here. One time Margie and I were going to church and she was running a little late and I got kind of mad. I was in a bad mood and I just was frustrated. I went 
boom, and I hit my windshield. It's a little Mitsubishi Mighty Max pickup truck, and it shattered. I just went like that, and the whole thing shattered. And Margie looks at me and goes, take me home. <laughs> you know? And now we drive to church separately, and, it, and our marriage is great. Thank you very much. That's the key, and plus it makes the parking lot look fuller. <laughs> you know? It's a win-win. <laughs> they don't call me big arm for nothing, you know. <laughs> Where, what, what that? I don't know what that is. But anyway, you, you, know, you, make, you, know, you may not feel like it, you, but just things aren't going well. You just think, you got nothing, nothing to worry. Worship. You really do. We just lose sight of it. He is worthy. That's reason enough. And the fact that he loves you and sent his son to die for you, that's even more reason. And the fact that you have eternal life with him. And the fact that he says, I will provide for your need. We got, the more you think about him, the more you, worship has got to come. But sometimes you don't feel it. Anyone honest with me? You know, sometimes you just don't feel it. <laughs> he's still worthy do it anyway because worship is an expression of faith and it is spiritual warfare the best spiritual warfare it's better than naming and trying to cast out demons but calling them out and taking authority over cities and stuff it is it is worship it's worship because faith is in action in worship you know you can show god your faith in worship how easy is that God, I don't feel it, but I'm going to praise you anyway because I know you're good and you're going to meet my needs. That's faith. It may not sound good, but it's good. It's music in his ears. So God sent the water. But there's more. But wait, <laughs> there's more. Just before we go, last passage we'll read. 2 Kings 3.22. Then they rose up early in the morning, and the sun was shining on the water, and the Moabites, remember that's the enemy, saw the water on the other side as red as blood. And they said, This blood is the kings have surely struck swords and have killed one another. Now, therefore, Moab, to the spoil, let us ride, you know. <laughs> Verse 24, And so they came to the camp of Israel. Israel rose up and attacked the Moabites, and they fled before them, and they entered their land, killing the Moabites. So they looked at God's provision, and they thought it, it became a trap for them. God only wants to bless you. He wants to bring down your enemies. That which has is, is come against you. That's, that which wants to steal from you. The devil comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Kind of like a Moabite. That's right. That's right. That's the only reason. But God even used his miracle provision to lure the enemies into the trap. So the, the, the subtitle of the whole series is A Tale of Ridiculous Faith. Faith is, let me just tell you, we're people of faith, right? Sometimes it's going to look ridiculous. If it's real, it's going to look ridiculous. It's not going to make sense, but you do it anyway. Because why? Because God wants us to. And without faith, it's impossible to please Him. 
So sometimes just, just go ahead and get used to it. You're going to look ridiculous. It doesn't make sense to the world. Let me just tell you, it doesn't make sense to the world or to even Christians who think worldly. All right? There's a lot of people, by the way, uh, this isn't in my notes or anything, but there's a lot of people out there who only know you after the flesh. They don't see the Spirit of God upon you. They don't see a destiny in you. Praise God for people who see the, what, what the God can do through you. Not necessarily how you are. You might still be pretty squirrely and kind of messed up, but they see with the eye of faith. They see in the Spirit. Spend your time with those. Don't waste your time. I'm telling you, don't waste your time with people who only know you after the flesh. Spend your time with it. Invest in, in that. I thank God that there, I was a messed up kid. You know my story. I was messed up. But praise God for Robert Spradley, Amen. who saw a messed up, I mean, he once said, I want to meet with you. And so I drew my, I took pictures I drew of Batman. And I thought that would be impressive. The Lone Ranger and, and a little Bible certificate I had. And I don't know why. Why would he do this? But he said, I don't want you to just, can you come up here after school? And he started taking me around with him. He poured into me. Why? Because he didn't know me after the flesh. He saw what the Holy Spirit could do in me. And, and, I don't, and this is for somebody here today because this wasn't in the plan. Spend your time with those people. Amen. And better yet, be that kind of person. Amen. Be that kind of person. Look at somebody, maybe the whole world looks at them as a loser, as a worthless, as an outcast. You love them. When I went to, we went to Edgewater, actually it started in Robert E. Lee Junior High. I got saved in eighth grade. And I went out to the backstop at lunchtime, and I preached. And then kids would come and make fun of me. I kept doing it. I kept doing it. And eventually, some of those ones who made fun of me came to Jesus and are still serving him today. Amen. And you know, who, you know who I attract? You attract people you're like. I attracted all the nerds, okay? I, re I attracted all the rejects. The cool kids didn't want to have a lot to do with me. They called me, Mo I was the only kid in eighth grade with a beard, okay? They, they called me Moses, all right? I'm, I'm, I was an early bloomer. <laughs> but you know what? Uh, they, they saw someone that cared about them and loved them enough to share the gospel with them. I'll never forget Bart Harris. Bart Harris. He made fun of me every day. And he was real into the Catholic thing. And uh, he thought I was just like in some cult or something. You know, I used to call him Bishop Bart. <laughs> and, you know, but he just, but he would come and mock me. And then where I was from, junior high ended in ninth grade and high school was 10th through 12th. And so I changed schools. After ninth grade, I'm on my Schwinn. I head to Edgewater High School, and I pull up to the bike rack, and Bishop Bart was waiting for me. And he said, and this is the first day of school of 10th grade, hey, Jeff, I used to make fun of you. 
But I want you to know I listened, and during the summer, I gave my heart to Jesus. He's still serving the Lord today. You know? You just... God, God loves the rejects. That's who Jesus won over. He, it, what, the hip, the in crowd, he wasn't so, so popular with. But the tax collectors and prostitutes and sinners and the ones that society said, they're the, they're the, that in. Jesus just loved them. Anyway, take that, no extra charge, okay? So principle number one, great authority and power are backed by great faith and obedience. Principle number two, we are to fear God and not man, not to be a man pleaser. Principle number three, only God can send the water, but sometimes he wants us to dig a ditch. Faith works. And principle number four, real faith believes big, but is willing to start small. Start right where you are. Let's pray. Lord, we want to thank you. We want to thank you for your great, great goodness to us, how faithful and wonderful you are. Thank you, Lord, that you saw us and maybe the world saw a reject, someone who didn't have much worth, and you paid the ultimate price to buy us. So, Lord, that makes us valuable. So, Lord, I pray, Father, that you would just stir people up today, that you would stir your people up to ridiculous faith, to stepping out, going beyond the limits they've placed upon themselves and dare to ask you for great things and believe you for great things. And as we show you our faith, we'll see more and more your faithfulness. We love you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. Lord, I pray your blessing upon my brothers and sisters that they would prosper and be in health even as their soul prospers. Lord, that you would open the windows of heaven, that you pour out a blessing greater than they can contain. Lord, that they would see that this is, this is the hand of God in my life. And Lord, stir them in faith to dig ditches and to make, make room for the, the great blessing you want to pour into their life. Thank you, Lord. We love you. Great is your faithfulness in Jesus' name. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think. Or according to the, the power that works within us. To him be glory in the church and through Jesus Christ for all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen. God bless you. I love you. Have a great week.